Boy, how cool would it be to be able to go up to a microphone and ask Steve Jobs a question directly? Well, that's what happened at Worldwide Developers Conference 1997, where Steve Jobs answers questions about Apple's future. No fancy presentations, no nothing. Just Steve, an audience, and a nice, beefy Q&A. Apple Keynote Chronicles is made possible by Linode, our awesome friends at Linode. You can simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. To keep it simple, if it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. Hey guys, how are you all doing? If you're new here, welcome. My name is Crazy Ken and welcome back to Apple Keynote Chronicles. Our mission here is to chronicle every Steve Jobs Apple keynote, or Steve note, as we like to say. And we're not just talking about the physical events that take place on stage, guys. We're going to dive into the backstories where necessary, and we'll also argue about the products and talk about the bloopers and share personal experiences, all the way from the original Macintosh to, like, literally Steve Jobs' death. We have a lot to chronicle here, and uh, it's really cool that you guys are coming along on this awesome story with us. It's going to be a really fun journey. Oh, and there's going to be some extra stuff along the way, too, because there were some keynote notes where Steve Jobs was actually not there for one reason or another, and we'll talk about that in the future. But today, we're going to be talking about WWDC 1997, and again, of course, I'm joined by Brad. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, hey, this is a good one to be here for. Absolutely, because it, it's a little different than the other ones. Again, it's not really a presentation, it's just a super casual Q&A, and by casual, you can look at Steve Jobs' pants and tell how casual it is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's definitely right out the gate, the the fashion choices here. I mean, it is the evolution of the Steve Jobs we come to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, is is that, a, I can't remember, is it a turtleneck or he, it's he, like, it's a black long sleeve? It looks like a black long sleeve turtleneck type thing. It looks like he's kind of wearing that now. Kind, it looks like it. Yeah, can't... so there's that part and then the it's the jeans, but that's right, the, the jeans have these big... <laughs> black patches on them <laughs> yeah. that uh, just, they really just draw a lot of attention. But I yeah. mean, I guess it's very of the time. And then he's got some tennis shoes, but they seem, they're not, I think it was a gray New Balances that he was in most of the time. I don't know if these were gray. They also look kind of like dirty. <laughs> Oh yeah, probably. His look is evolving a bit. I mean, even in the last episode, we talked about the Think Different event. If you guys haven't watched that one, definitely check it out. Uh, he was in, you know, shorts and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> so we left off with Steve Jobs coming back to Apple and announcing the famous Think Different campaign to the press. We did time hop a little bit because that actually happened technically after this Worldwide Developers Conference, but I kind of felt it easier to tell things in this order. So we are rewinding a few months, but I think that's okay. Check out the previous episodes if you haven't already already because again this is a story we're going in chronological order so if you haven't listened to episode one and two definitely check those out first and binge them to your hearts i was gonna say desire but i'm gonna say ability yeah <laughs> that sounds deep and threatening <laughs> just kidding uh today we're looking at the q a at the worldwide developers conference 1997 and his main focus is he's talking about apple's future and a key way to make that happen is well you need developers if you're making this platform this this mac platform you need developers developers are the lifeblood and to make developers jobs easier to make good apps which make the customers happier you need a system you need a platform that's easy enough to use to build these sophisticated apps that are easy to develop, and that's what we're talking about. So, WWDC, 
This is actually the first WWDC we're covering, and we're gonna cover a lot more coming up. We're at the San Jose Convention Center, and currently, you know, COVID aside, they're still in San Jose, but they're at the McEnery Convention Center, technically. So this gentleman takes the stage, and uh, I know his name is David. It was it was a fun little story about how he got into Apple. He used an Apple II, and uh, he saw Steve at a restaurant one day, but he didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> well, he starts off the mood, though, with, oh, yeah. with this story. There is this kind of, you know, in a way you felt it in the last one we saw with Gil, but this is different because it's just Steve and he's very real. You can almost feel the reverence in the room. There, hmm. I mean, it feels like there's definitely, we'll get to that, there's definitely some hostility and stuff back and forth. There's some feelings a little bit. There's some feelings, but yeah. But there's, <laughs> there's just something kind of magnetic about like what's, what's happening. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, there's an energy. And he starts it off, this guy with the, with the story about talking talking about like really introducing Steve as like this mythical figure basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so David introduces Steve. Steve comes out on stage, looks like he's wearing the soon-to-be iconic turtleneck and the awesome blue jeans with giant black patches on them. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less from Steve. I'll just put it at that. I would have liked some cargo pants or some something. cargo pants. <laughs> yeah. So he just wants to do a Q&A, not a fancy presentation. And think about the timing here. Steve is just barely back at Apple right now. He was gone from Apple for over a decade. Now he's coming back, just getting into the swing of things here. And he said, Apple's going through, you know, a lot of change and we need software. That's where you guys come in, the developers. So the first question that was asked, I thought was it was pretty fun. Uh, one of the guys just asked, what about OpenDoc? And Steve is like, what about OpenDoc? What about it? It's dead, right? <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Now, there's probably a bunch of people wondering, like, what the frick is OpenDoc? Honestly, I didn't even really know what it was. Mm -hmm. But it, it was a component-based technology that Apple did eventually kill off. And it was a component software solution. It was actually backed by big names like Apple, IBM, and Oracle. Again, it focused on this idea of components. And components are self-contained pieces of software that are modular, that can be assembled into different solutions for different situations, as opposed to having a large, isolated, monolithic application where sharing data between those monolithic applications is hard. So OpenDoc was trying to liberate that. That's a super, super basic interpretation of it. There's actually a link in the show notes if you want to watch it. There was this little CD demo of what OpenDoc is with these awesome, like, 90s computer graphics. Go ahead and check that out later. But that was OpenDoc. Ultimately, Apple killed it. But Steve did say, I apologize. I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what they're doing. Like, there's a lot of change going on here. They're going to have to 86 a lot of stuff. You got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. A couple things that are interesting straight mm -hmm. off the bat about this one. I know before we started recording this podcast, we talked about like, hey, you know, what is this? If this was a movie rating, like, is this a PG podcast, PG-13? Um, and we settled on like, you know, Apple, their events, their keynotes are relatively PG. So that seems yeah. fitting yeah. for what we were doing. But this one is not. This one <laughs> is very, it's not R-rated, but it's very PG-13. PG-13 is a good yeah, one. Yeah. Steve comes out and he's dropping S-bombs and then the audience is, and there's kind of a... Uh, if the last, if the if the episode with Gil was kind of cringe, this one's kind of aggro. There's, <laughs> <Not> a, aggro. <laughs> there's there's uh, there's an energy, you know, and it's kind of in both ways. It's not mean spirited, but there's a a push and a pull, and a, mm -hmm. they're they're not going easy on Steve. There's a reverence, but they're also kind of snipping at him a little bit. Yeah, there were some buried insults in there. Yeah, well, kind of like mixed in insults. Yeah, but it's good. It's a it's a interesting fun energy. 
energy. And Steve mm-hmm. rolls with it. He's, he's laughing about it and playing yeah. with it throughout the thing. Pick, and he's picking also, up a stool and defending yep. himself. <laughs> but he's also being really thoughtful and really honest in a way that you just do not see. He wasn't, you know, CEO at the time. Correct. But yeah, you, yeah. you just don't see, let, you know, CEOs or anyone at a lot of companies just talk to you so frankly. Yeah, and just for context, coming off of the last episode we did, Apple needs a new modern operating system to be able to compete better. So Apple has this plan. They acquired Steve Jobs. They acquired Next. They have this new operating system, these new APIs and stuff. So they're basically now saying, hey, ask questions about it. Ask questions about our marketing strategy, our advertising, our developer strategy. And that's what all this is. And yeah, he's just being Steve. He's just being honest, man. If someone asked him about something and he thinks it was bad, he was like, it was junk. I threw it out, you know? <laughs> but he's also, it's also interesting because he's in a, a weird place where you haven't seen him where he doesn't really have control or power. And he's kind yeah. of, you could say, pouting about it a little bit. I guess, I yeah, mean, you could say, yeah. But in a way, I kind of like, it's kind of interesting to see somebody who mm-hmm. is, who we remember of, in a place where he doesn't have all the power. And you yeah. can tell his frustrations because this is what he would do if he had the power. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of in like a big transitioning stage right now. So he does say things like when he's talking about killing off other things that aren't necessary, he's like, I feel your pain. And he just straight up says that Apple suffered for years from lousy engineering management. And obviously that resonated with some people because the audience went into some applause there. And then he talks about the total is less than the sum of the parts. That's how Apple was at the time. And this is something, you know, we've heard other people bring up. I bring it up all the time. Steve said it right here. Focusing is about saying no. And at the time, Apple was saying yes to a lot of things that really weren't moving the needle. So this other question I really liked, someone asked, what can Apple do to get its balls back? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I definitely, it was hard to hear the audience oh, portions sure. of it in there. So I, I didn't catch that, but that is uh, fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Steve said, I think Apple just has its head in the sand for a long time. And we talked about networking stuff a lot in the last episode, well, a little bit in the last episode about how that was something the Mac was lacking on and how Apple acquiring Next will get this networking technology so they can build it into their modern operating system. So that was the example he brought up. We have our head in the sand. We missed out on things like network computing, for example. And ultimately he said, the wisdom here is we need to know what 10 to 30% of the stuff we, we need to invent. And then the other 70% of that stuff, well, it probably already exists. Let's focus on the 10 to 30 we need to make from scratch, but let's not reinvent the wheel for the other 70% of it. Let's okay. use the standards out there. I wanted to ask you about this because I have it written down here. Mm-hmm. Um, of He said that, yeah, 70% we should use essentially not open standards per se, but, but standards. whatever the standard is. Yeah, like PostScript. Uh, and then um, 30% proprietary essentially like what are they going to build to they have to build yeah do you think that so one of the things in going back and watching these you can see how consistent apple is like or steve jobs's vision of at least you know how it's playing through to today um that is one where i don't know do you think that apple uses 70 percent standard today and 30 percent proprietary i don't have like maybe a hard number but There was one other part he did say was the notion of being so proprietary has hurt us. So he did say that, but I don't know if it's like necessarily today, 70, 30, but back then it was maybe closer to that because like, you know, they didn't invent Java. They were huge about implementing Java. Uh, Apache, they wanted to implement that. Uh, I guess technically they didn't invent, yeah, not even at Next, like the mock microkernel wasn't invented by Next or by Apple and they used that at the core of 
Mac OS 10 servers, so I think they used a lot of standards. Yeah, maybe yeah I mean, he definitely has pushed that. I mean, he famously, they'll, they'll get to later, you know, move from Flash to HTML5. Oh, yeah. Um, but it just seems like, you know, with the whole way that Apple builds the hardware, now they're making the chips and they mm-hmm. make the, the, whole the, the sub chip. Yeah, they do the whole widget now. That's just one thing that maybe seems different about Apple now than was in the past. I feel like they control more by like 70% now with maybe 30 It's probably flipped, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there was a good point that he said we're like, we'll have to use standards that already exist because Apple didn't invent them. Mm. But nowadays, this is decades later, lots of experience later, lots of traction and money later, they're now building standards. The funny thing is Steve Jobs mentioned this and he summed it up saying we have to be better, not different. But the asker kept just asking, like, what is Apple going to do to be different? Like, Steve is like, we just got to be better, not different. The the asker was, like, not accepting the answer. He was, like, reluctant. He was still asking that. And I think Steve said something along the lines of, like, hey, in order to be better, if we have to be different in a certain situation, then we'll do it. But we just have to be better, not different. That is consistent to today. I mean, I feel Mm -hmm. like that is partly why I go to Apple is it is different because it's better. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. There's a ton of people that make, you know, like a laptop, for example, like other notebooks that fold aren't like radically different from a MacBook Pro, but there's, that's, you know, from 50,000 feet, they may look the same, but when you get closer, there's things that I like about a MacBook Pro that I think are a lot better. Heck, the one I'm using right now is like almost eight years old. There's a reason why I use it. It's just, it's built really well. (laughs) It's better. Not everything was that way, though, as you'll see in future episodes, like the first-generation MacBook Pro, which you could basically almost fry an egg on. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, were you going to oh, say Oh, no, no, that's oh. it. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely failures here and there. Yeah, but yeah. They're always <laughs> aiming for better, at least. Yeah, and some sometimes they, like, maybe change too sometimes much too Sometimes they quick. take all the buttons off of an iPod Shuffle. <laughs> and then put them back on <laughs> in the next version. Oh, my gosh, dude, the buttons. Ah, oh, gee. Yeah, we're going to have fun talking about that stuff in the... 2000s presentations. So another thing he brings up is high-speed networking, which is ubiquitous today. We all use the internet, hardly even think about it. But in 1997, again, this was stuff he was doing with Next and other places that were implementing this high-speed networking technology, but the Mac wasn't super, super ready for this. But it was cool that Jobs brought it up because it applies a lot today. He talks about wherever I am, I've got my stuff. It's not on a local hard disk. You know, gigabit ethernet is coming. Gigabit ethernet can actually transfer data faster than your local hard disk. I don't even need a hard drive in my computer if I got a server that's faster. I thought that was really fun. He does actually demo a hard driveless computer in a future keynote, which uh, teaser, subscribe and stay tuned for that one. It was a really fun one. He really was seeing where we had to go. He's he's describing the problem of like, I, I don't fully understand what's going on there, or how Apple was not able to network or communicate mm-hmm. very well. But when you think about how interconnected, not just with the web, but now if you are in the Apple ecosystem, just how the devices are, mm-hmm. you know, and they if you take it out ever. to today with phones and wearables and VR, like these things, whatever Apple's doing, it still depends on being connected to whatever that system is. Yeah. Think about like iCloud, for example. Let's say you have a Mac, a phone, and a tablet. You take a picture on your phone, it now just suddenly pops up on your other two devices just magically. Like it's, this is the kind of stuff they were talking about in 1997. Like we got to get this in the computer. And it totally makes sense because where would we be without that today? It would be a pain in the butt. 
And I like how he also talks about not having to worry about backing up data. It's the same way with me, mm-hmm. like other than my ginormous terabytes of video things, like all my other stuff is saved on the cloud. I don't, I mean, I still do take a local backup because I'm a computer geek and I do that anyway, but like, I don't really have to worry whenever I just make a file, it's just in the cloud. I can access it on my phone. I can access it on a web browser in Japan for all I care. Like it's just there well, and it's backed up. We both work in Final Cut and we've mm-hmm. had conversations about this where you're talking about like one of the joys of it is it's just always backing up, you know? Yeah, I, I atomic just, safe saving and whatnot. Yeah. There was just a release today of like a screenwriting software. A Final Draft is like the holy grail of screenwriting software. And one of the things that they're advertising in the the web page of like a new feature is like you can set it to autosave every 15 minutes Good and I'm grief. like come on we are past like- that <laughs> yeah it, it blows my mind that there's still software that doesn't atomic safe save meaning it saves like every like millisecond or whatever mathematical it is but uh some software does that by design I would imagine but because Final Cut Pro 10 is database based uh it kind of needs to atomic safe save but yeah you you don't lose work then even if it crashes like it's just it's there you you might lose at most one step. It's pretty awesome. But yeah, just not having to worry about that is great. <laughs> but really, if you sit back, you have to, I mean, some of these things, they seem so obvious now. Totally. Or especially, you know, it seems super obvious. Um, or, you know, and if you're young, I know there's got to be a lot of Apple fans. It's oh, really hard for me to recognize, like, someone could, could be an Apple fan and be born if, after Steve Jobs passed away, you know, and everything. To go back to what year is this right here this, this is, is 1997 1997 yeah. and like I, I would think it probably would make more sense I, I mean i know the web was a thing but i don't know that people were thinking like of all the potential that this interconnectivity could have was, and how bold of a choice that is it was definitely not super mainstream at the time yeah when you were talking about uh, being uh, connected and he was talking about, uh, he showed off the hard driveless computer Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how we wouldn't need local storage Mm -hmm. and uh, totally got the vision and the whole, everything like that. But it's also funny because, you know, my phone now has 512 (laughs) gigabytes on it, you know, and they make iPads that have like what, up to two terabytes of storage now. So we still have, I guess maybe comparatively to whatever is on the server out there maybe it's practically nothing but the funny thing is how that is flipped around you can get away with less storage if you keep stuff in the cloud i have a ton of stuff in the cloud there's no way it would fit on my ipad but when it comes to needing to access larger amounts of data quicker the script kind of got flipped because he was talking about gigabit ethernet is faster than the internal hard drives which it was but now your freaking macbook air has like two gigabit per second like speed, probably three, the SSD is so fast in there, but your Wi-Fi on a good day is maybe a 10th of that, probably a 20th of that. Oh yeah. So even though storage in the cloud has gotten bigger, the speed of being able to transfer and pull stuff from the cloud is definitely not faster than SSD interfaces because SSD interfaces have just gotten so fast. But back in the day, SCSI mechanical hard disks, those were slow compared to gigabit ethernet speeds, but the script got flipped. How the tables have turned, Brad. How the tables have turned. <laughs> Literally, um, the turntables in the hard drive. They, sp- <laughs> they have stopped turning. Yeah, they stopped turning. Oh, How no. How the tables have stopped. <laughs> One thing I do want to mention, though, anytime you use a website, you're using, quote unquote, an application of some sort. And our awesome friends at Linode, they can provide people the infrastructure to 
build your own applications. If you need to do things like crunch stuff, crunch data, you need to host data. You can even like host a multimedia streaming video servers. You can host e-learning applications. If you need space on the web to host your project and your app, you can do that stuff with Linode. So with Linode, you can simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with their Linux virtual machines. You don't need to have like all these crazy computers built in your basement or something, guys, to like build your application or your website. Linode has all that stuff for you. All you have to do is use their service so you can develop, deploy, and scale your applications faster and easier. So whether you're developing a personal project or managing larger workloads, overall, you deserve something that's simple, affordable, and you need to be able to have access to those cloud computing solutions. The good news is you can get started with Linode today. You can get $100 in free credit just for listening to Apple Keynote Chronicles. You can find all the details at linode.com slash computer clan. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and click that. You get that $100 in free credit and you are supporting this podcast. So thank you very much. Linode is helping make this all be possible. And they have data centers around the world with simple and consistent pricing, regardless of location. So if you want, just, hey, choose the data center closest to you. And on top of that, hey, um, when you call tech support, do you like talking to a robot? Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I avoid it at all costs. It sucks, doesn't it? So the cool thing with Linode is they do have 24-7, 365 human support, and you can get that support super easily. You don't have to try to understand what a robot is saying. Regardless of your plan size, you'll get that 24-7 support. You can choose shared and dedicated compute instances, or you can use your $100 credit on S3-compatible object storage, manage Kubernetes, and more. To keep it simple, if it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. So go ahead and visit linode.com slash clan and click on the create free account button to get started. Not only do you get your $100 in credit, but you're also supporting the podcast. So thank you very much. And thank you very much, Linode, for making this show possible. So the next big thing that gets discussed is turnaround time and marketing applications. Like look at the app store nowadays, like that's a way to market your app. But you know, this is 1997, this is kind of before that. And we talked about how this modern OS and these modern developer tools are gonna make it easier for developers to write apps because it reduces that 80% of the code they don't need to focus on, and then they can just focus on the 20% unique part of their app so they can focus more of their energy on what's important. With this OpenStep technology, that's possible. And he talks about this awesome example, Lighthouse, they develop Next software. They're only a team of 18 developers, yet they make amazing software. And the one I really wanna talk about is Concurrence, because Concurrence was presentation software that Steve Jobs loved, and that was the base inspiration for the Keynote software that now comes free with every Mac. It's the software Steve Jobs used to present all of his Keynotes, simply called Keynote. The foundation, the inspiration of that was Concurrence, which came from a small dev team that developed for Next, but without those tools that Next had, you probably need a bigger team and more time to make an amazing application like Concurrence was. Again, it's by Lighthouse, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about uh, Keynote, we were talking about it the other day of like Keynote is great. So it, you know, I get the benefit of getting to make the best looking, pre the, the very few presentations that I make. Yeah, when I make them in software. Keynote, people think that I'm some sort of like expert uh, slide <laughs> presentation maker, but I just know that, that's a, that it has the tools in there to, it gives me the toolbox to make a great looking presentation. It really fits the whole toolbox thing. Yeah, to, to use um, Steve Jobs' words, it's for mere mortals, <laughs> you know, it makes exactly. it easy. And I love this part here because then he talks about marketing and he's like, is there a market for your app? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, there were still a lot of Mac users at the time, definitely not as big as Windows, but there were companies making livings off of freaking Next software, which was some powerful underpinnings, but not 
really big, 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 big compared to Apple or Microsoft. I like this part right here. It's phenomenally powerful. And Lotus couldn't figure out to compete with themselves with one, two, three, so they gave it up and Lighthouse copied it. 18 developers, five apps, because of the power of this development environment. What Apple's gonna be putting in your hands is a system that you can build apps for five to 10 times faster than anything out there, period. And you can choose to do one of two things or somewhere in the middle with, these, with this power. One, you can make existing complexity apps five to 10 times faster, which means that three people really can go into a garage on day one with a concept and come out in the market with a product six to nine months later. Now, I haven't seen that in our industry in 10, 12 years. And that's very, very, very exciting to me. And some people say, well, it'll only run on a Macintosh, or it'll only run on Rhapsody, selling on Intel, maybe, and selling on a Macintosh. That's only a single digit percent of the market. Well, it's only three plus million copies a year. I wouldn't mind selling into that market. It's huge, especially if you're a three-person, 10-person, 18-person software development company. Lighthouse was making a good living selling to the next step market. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that part. Such a Steve Jobs. There's a lot of that in this, uh, at this presentation where yeah. he's like pointing out like basically, hey, quit whining and there's plenty of stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, and just again, even though the Mac was in a tougher spot back then, there were still several million users. So that's a, that's a place to market to. Speaking of markets and stuff, competition. He was asked about competition, and he brings up this line that he does mention at a very, very pivotal keynote that we'll cover in the next episode. He says, it's incredibly stupid for Apple to get in a position where for Apple to win, Microsoft has to lose. So he, he basically shoots it down. It's like, no, Microsoft doesn't have to lose for Apple to win. Apple just has to do a good job. And I think that's a good way to come at it. So this next part was interesting. I kind of didn't initially expect Steve to say this, but I guess it makes sense at the time because of his software company next with OpenStep. But he said, I believe Apple should license everything. Oh yeah, this whole part is really <laughs> weird because- yeah. it's so- I, I like, believe it's been a Apple long time now. since I read the, the Walter Isaacson thing, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was in there that he hated the idea of licensing this stuff mm -hmm. or the, um, what do they call them? The- um, the clones? the clones, yeah, yeah. hated yeah. the idea of the clones. That was a thing at this time. But Mac so clones. he's not CEO here. So that's what I was kind of wondering is yeah. like, he can't really be like, screw these things there. This is the mm -hmm. worst idea. But so he has to kind of talk positively about it or maybe he was onto it at that point. I don't know, but it is yeah. very weird to hear him talking positively about I it. I was surprised, man. But yeah, the Mac clones were a thing at the time where you could buy a non-Apple computer, but still run the Mac OS on it if it met certain specs they could get the mac rom and then come with a copy of the os on there but steve was advocating like hey we need we should get a fair price for this still yeah he seems to be uh, more of that like to get out of it i think in a way because he's in the same presentation he's talking about how apple benefits from making the hardware too yeah, that's why this part really threw me for a loop, but I know he's in a different place right now because Next is a software company at the time. But ultimately, the clone stuff did die off. 
They wanted to raise the royalties. No one was willing to do that. My buddy Steve runs the Mac 84 YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the show notes. He did a rather in-depth explainer video. I think it's a multi-parter, but he has part one out. He did a very in-depth explainer video about the history of the Macintosh clones, which is pretty good. And yeah, it, it's kind of interesting how he was all for that at the time, but wanted to raise the royalty. No one wanted to do that. But the fun thing is the system at the time was Mac OS 7 or System 7. And there was some weird like contractual loophole or whatever, where if he changed it to version number eight, he was not obligated to license it to clone vendors anymore. Except one, there was like one exception. So yeah, that was one of the reasons they changed the version number from System 7 to Mac OS 8 and That's hey, a, a loophole. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised maybe. I, I don't, I would have to know more about the history here of this. But yeah, if he really wasn't positive about it at all and he was really just scheming of ways to, you know, kill this off as quickly as possible while seemingly yeah. moving along forward with it and playing yeah. nice. It, it died pretty quick. And the whole Rhapsody thing, because Rhapsody was going to be this thing Apple did with the Mac, but it was also going to be this next-gen system that still ran on Intel. That kind of faded away, too, because eventually it all just merged into Mac OS X, which we'll talk about in future episodes. It was just very weird to see him talking about uh, the clones and about, yeah. like, a future of the clones. I would have thought... The <laughs> short future. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been like, yeah, those are gone. You know, he he, he was Me happy too. to talk about killing the Newton. Like, you know, yeah. I thought he would have talked more negatively about the clones. And that was really weird, and it just seemed inconsistent because later, he is talking about how, you know, someone brings up, hey, should Apple maybe just doing, so I mean, I don't know if they're saying they should just be doing software, but maybe be more open. And, you know, Steve says that he thinks it's a benefit or a plus that Apple um, makes the hardware too because it makes it plug and play. It makes, he uses plug and play, the phrase, yeah, from your plug and play. <laughs> and um, I, you know, that is the biggest issue as, as I understand because I've never owned an Android phone. I've had an iPhone since the original, but that was why the App Store is far and above like more utilized than Android because it's hard. That's what I hear from developers is that like you can make an app for iOS and it works great on every iPhone that it's compatible for. Mm -hmm. Whereas on Android, it's not plug and play. Every phone has all these different specs. So, you know, it's kind of broken across the system. Not to mention the adaptation of the newer operating systems on Android phones is a small percentage compared to an iPhone. Mm, yes, very true. Of course, Android has its own positives. I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, there's definitely the positives. But in this case, you know, this yeah. is something, again, he's talking about it in 1997. And it's just as true mm -hmm. today. It just exists in a different form really yeah, not yeah. really a different form because it is across the uh, their whole lineup now with the m1s and everything that they do with hardware processors and everything integrating with the software mm -hmm. just a uh, interesting bit i guess that carries through to today i like the hardware software services marriage it just makes it easy for me like i don't have to think about it you know it, it's I, I do so much media stuff on my Mac. It's really nice where it's like, they make the codec, they make ProRes, you know, they, they make the Mac Pro, they make a FPGA, which optimizes for ProRes. They make Final Cut Pro 10, which is the editing software, which uses the FPGA to run ProRes. And it's like, I got all that right from Apple. I don't have to worry about piecing this MacGyvery crap together and hoping it works. If you want to, I know there's people that do that. There's people that build PCs. It works great. There's people that do it as a hobby. That's awesome. I just can't do that. I, I spend too much time like creating stuff. I can't 
work on my computer and pray it works. Or, or, I'd be it, terrible it, at it. Or, you know, it just, I guess it's just, yeah, you could build a whole PC. The way that I've seen it most clearly, like, today in something is, like, I'm really interested in the FPV drones. Mm. But, like, to... At, at up until this point, if you wanted to get into FPV drones, you really had to do the research. You got to solder. You got to build all this stuff from mm. scratch. Everything's bespoke and customized. And then, so I, I just, do, my life's way too busy to kind of take up sure. that hobby right now, even though I'm interested. And now uh, DJI has a FPV drone that is, it's just, it's all ready to go. You just, if you're interested in it, you put on the stuff, you're going to be more limited, but... You know, honestly, I'm just kind of interested in experimenting in that hobby right now. Sure. And that's more appealing to me. And I feel like that's what a lot of the Mac stuff does. So he talks about, again, the goal, eliminating 80% of the code, focusing on that 20% that's important. And then he gets a question about TV commercials. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we rewound time a little bit, but later they do the Think Different campaign, which is billboards and TV and stuff like that. But I thought it was interesting that he said we don't want to do TV right now. They ended up doing it like in October, but like right now he was like, no TV, we want to do print. Not necessarily like an eight page spread. Steve said, we, we don't want to like take out this big ad in some magazine or newspaper, or whatever. We need a journalist to say Apple is back, not an ad to say Apple is back. Because if you see an article in a magazine, like on page two, that talks about the struggles Apple is going through. And then on page eight, you see an ad that says Apple is back. Who are you going to believe? <laughs> well, he's bringing up, he says it in there, or some version of it, this mm -hmm. uh, famous uh, Marshall McLuhan quote of the medium is the message. Oh, yeah. Which is, that's what he's saying right there, is we're not in a place to be braggadocious right now, which <laughs> is what, the, you know, this TV ad is. We, we need to essentially build like a grassroots yeah. support. Yeah, absolutely. So, this next question is great. Um... <laughs> The guy goes up to the mic and he prefaces it with, Steve, you're a bright and influential man. And Steve is like, oh, here it comes. And he grabs the stool and holds it in front of his face. But this guy, you know, he complimented him, but then he was asking him like about nixing the technologies like OpenDoc, like we talked about earlier. And it was kind of like a semi-insult, I guess. He was like, maybe you could tell us what you've been doing personally for the last seven years. And the audience was just kind of like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, and then Steve does the whole thing. And I, I, he's very thoughtful and considered. And, mm -hmm. yeah, and he, he, what, what he says, uh, you can please some people some of the time. Yeah. 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 Like you can't please everybody all the time. You just can't. Yeah. How, I, like, how does this fit into a larger vision? And I love this part he brought up here where he mentions that they were focusing so much on the technology. Like in the last episode, we talked about, you know, it's not about MIPS and megahertz and all that stuff. It's about values. That's what marketing is. And he mentions this great point here where he says we were focusing on the technology too much. We need to start with the customer experience and work backward to the technology. Yeah, that uh, vibe that you get from him here, I think what's very winning about him and I think what I feel like my vibe is if I was in the audience or the majority of the audience kind of is getting behind him mm -hmm. he feels like um, I guess going back to these war analogies type thing <laughs> it feels a bit like uh, you know if you read Marcus Aurelius or something he's you know this emperor of Rome but he'd be right in the you know the midst of you know the people during battle just hanging out you know that kind of feels like mm -hmm. Steve Job is just he's sitting amongst everybody he's one of them he's kind of slumped over He's kind of saying, hey, yeah. I got it tough, too. Yeah, I, that's an absolutely great way to paint it because, like, he is, like, this leader. He's got this strategy. But, yeah, he's in the trenches with everybody. And he's taken 
criticism. I mean, he's taken. He he's he's not he's not really sniping back at people. Right. Um, right. He's being thoughtful and he's giving like real answers, not like corporate speak. That's what I really freaking love. None of this felt like it was coming from some like PR person, you know, or like an executive. Which yeah. is exactly what you need when, like, it, it, when you're dying. Make, yes, <laughs> and, and to make it not about it's not at the biggest platform. It's not about the money. It's yeah. about you know. It's about whatever else. It's about whatever values. he's trying to sell. Yeah, yeah, which is the values. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot in the last episode about the values and stuff. And he mentions that in this, but it's like a two parter thing. There's the value part and the technical part, which is why he's talking about like, hey, we're we're working to build this really cool modern OS with these dev tools. We're gonna make it easier for you guys you guys got to be on board with us are you on board and that's what the developers conference is all about it's a conference for developers now i thought it was really awesome that someone asked about the newton what do you think Apple should do with the Newton? Quick summary, it was like a PDA type thing. You could write on it. It would convert your handwriting into words. It was kind of like the iPhone's grandfather, to put it simply. And Steve was like, you had to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the Newton doesn't exist anymore. It was killed off really quick when Steve Jobs came back. He didn't like it. His response was he couldn't imagine managing three system softwares successfully. You had the Mac OS, Rhapsody, and Newton. So he wanted to focus on the two, which again, Rhapsody then just merged in with Mac OS anyway. And he said he bought one and he threw it away. He hasn't tried the newer ones. And I know someone from the audience yelled, try one. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never used a Newton. I'm not exactly sure how they connected. I remember seeing a commercial where it showed you can send email with it, but I'm actually not 100% sure how it worked. But Steve did say he wanted something that was connected to the net. He didn't want to infrared beam stuff into a computer. Again, I don't know how fully a Newton worked, but it was obviously not up to Steve Jobs standards because he nixed it. You could say the iPhone was like, the grandchild of the Newton, but that was 10 years later. Yeah, I, I just wrote a note like IR was really in then, but it never really worked. I, I We were just playing, I was showing you the other day, I got the, uh, it ended up being broken, but I got this Alpha Smart Neo, this little uh, mm -hmm. uh, word processor unit, and it has the IR sensors and everything on there, which aren't compatible with anything now. Yeah. But the USB ports on it still are. USB, yeah, very universal. Yeah, I mean, even the first iMac came with an infrared port on the front. Oh yeah, I had the magnetic, uh, the the remote was magnetic and would stick to it. Oh, for for that one, yes, but I mean like- Oh, even, the original The, the original, iMac, original yeah, iMac had well, just, Yeah, so they had IR all the way up through some, I mean, I remember one of my MacBooks in 2007 or so still had IR. And for those, they had IR for the remote. At this time, they had IR for beaming data into the computer, but in the next iMac, they didn't even have that. They were like, oh, no one's really gonna use it, so they killed it off. It did have two headphone jacks though, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> so then I thought to end on a nice short and sweet note, there was this nice question here. Some guy goes up to the microphone, talks to Steve, and he's like, I've been going to these things. Like I've been saying to my employers, Apple is back. You can imagine I've lost some credibility. What can I say this time? <laughs> you know, I'm paraphrasing, but what can I say this time to convince them? What would you tell me to tell my people to convince them to stay on the Macintosh? And Steve just says, if they could write that software five to 10 times faster, would that be of interest? <laughs> and again, on the technical level, that's the whole goal here with the new APIs, the developer tools, and the modern operating system. And that sets the stage for the future of Apple. But it's not just a software problem. There's this problem called the board of directors. So there's some big shuffling going on. Macworld Boston 1997. This is a, a ginormous plot point here and it's all about getting Apple healthy. 
There's a big rearrangement of higher-ups, and a special guest joins Steve Jobs via satellite feed. Microsoft's Bill Gates. There's a lot of yelling, a lot of cheering, and a lot of booing. <laughs> it, is a, it is a sight to behold, and we will be talking about that on the next episode, so make sure you subscribe and follow and stick around. And hey, if you like the show, I would appreciate a rating slash review on whatever podcast platform you're using, but, you know, only if you felt like you enjoyed this. If you didn't, you obviously don't have to leave anything. And Brad, of course, thank you for being on Apple Keynote Chronicles again. Where can the people find you on the mystical world of the World Wide Web, which was invented on the next cube, apparently, by Tim Berners-Lee? It's all connected. <laughs> it's and all if you want to connect with me, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse, at Bradtastical. Bradtastical, perfect. And speaking of connecting things, thanks again, Linode, for sponsoring our show and helping make this possible. And if you guys need to cut your infrastructure bills down, get those cloud services going for your apps or your websites, whatever projects you're doing, hey, if it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode, you can use our link in the show notes and get that $100 credit just from listening to Apple Kino Chronicles. Dude, if someone gave me $100 to listen to a podcast, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. And that's what we're offering you with our awesome friends at Linode, so go check them out. So we have some cool stuff coming with that Macworld Boston episode. And I also run a YouTube channel. The Computer Clan is bigger than just this podcast. If you need to get your tech fixed with some other retro tech and scam tech and some other cool tech things that a lot of other YouTube channels don't cover, definitely check out the Computer Clan YouTube channel, youtube.com slash computer clan, and you can get some other great stuff there all the time. And of course, subscribe to this podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes every other Monday because we'd like to make your Monday a fun day. But until the next one, all I can say is thanks for sticking with me, catch the crazy, and pass it on. Bye.